What's up, Dolphins fans? This is Kyle Krabs of Locked On Dolphins. It is Friday, November 5th, 2021. I'm going to be doing Power to the Pod, which means it's your questions, your topics, your hot takes, you name it. We're doing it here on the show. Let's get this thing started. Power to the Pod, show's in your hands. Looking forward to it. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans, and welcome to Locked On Dolphins. This is your host, Kyle Krabs. We are live on the YouTube stream. We are on your podcast feed on Saturday or Friday evening, depending how quick on the draw you guys are. And uh, looking forward to hearing from you guys on what is on your minds. Obviously, we have Devontae Parker going on IR. We have the Odell Beckham uh, departure from Cleveland. And uh, whether or not that would make sense for the Dolphins, there's been some evolving dynamics from an economic standpoint. We're announcing the winner of the ticket giveaway. And of course, your comments in the live stream, your five-star reviews of the show. Uh, We're going to get into all of that today on the show. So if you are watching live, please uh, hit like, subscribe, leave a comment with something you'd like to hear us talk about. We'll get into it. But we're going to start with some iTunes reviews, including uh, a five-star review from Music Lover 12345, whose five-star review says, enough is a nut. I don't believe we can really judge any player's talent with this kind of coaching. What is the downside to making changes now to someone not on the staff as an audition? Hope ownership doesn't let the GM give away the future to ensure no one else will take his job. Really don't think it's a talent issue. We just don't play like a professional football team. I think this is, you know, everybody with Jalen Waddle concerns and Robert Hunt concerns and Jalen Phillips concerns. You know, a lot of you, a lot of the fan base that, you'll see these arguments that, you know, these guys are underwhelming, but at the same time, like a lot of the fan base is still very supportive of, of Tua Tungvaloa and understanding the situation that he's in is not putting him in position to be successful. So it can't just be Tua who's not being put in a good position to be successful, especially when you see so many other struggles across so many other different layers of the team. I agree with you personally. I think it's really hard to get a gate. These are all physically talented players that the Dolphins have brought in. Some of them, like my expectations for Austin Jackson, that he's going to figure it out and turn it around, that's fairly low. Uh, but the guys that they got in here this year, Jalen Phillips, Jalen Waddle, Javon Holland is playing at a high level. We're still waiting for some of the splash game-changing plays. Uh, but nevertheless, um, it, it's really hard to get a feel for what these young guys are. Uh, and this was by design by the team. And ultimately, at the end of the day, that is, in my opinion, a responsibility of Brian Flores with his inexperienced coaching staff uh, that he has put and surrounded uh, himself with. Next one comes from Kurt Millions, five-star view. Kyle, I'm looking ahead here as we are all at this point. I'm a diehard Dolphins fan, but my blood is red and black for the Georgia Bulldogs. If you had two people from Georgia to draft... Who would it be? This is a very good question because Georgia's loaded with talent this year. I don't know if you guys are big college football um, fanatics or not, but the Georgia defense probably has like 20 NFLers just on defense this week or this year. I, I would look at 
I would love to have Jordan Davis. It's a, probably a little redundant uh, with all the interior guys that you've got up front. Um, Nicobe Dean, the linebacker, uh, Jordan Davis is a nose tackle. Uh, Nicobe Dean, the linebacker, is is a blitz weapon. Kind of think like Sam McGuavin. I, I think a high level version of that kind of player uh, would would really splash. And I'd really love to have George Pickens at wide receiver, provided that he's healthy. So uh, that is the two guys that come to to my mind first and foremost. Uh, live question from Ryan: How would Devin Lloyd fit into our defense? I'm glad you asked this, and we're going to come back to Devin Lloyd in a little bit. Uh, Dolphin Brian, five-star review. I'm going to get to the live comments second. I'm not forgetting you guys. I just want to knock these reviews out. Um, Dolphin Brian just started listening after David from the five, six Kings podcast mentioned Kyle Krabs on one of the recent podcasts. I'd always been disappointed in other dolphin shows. Kyle seems to actually know what he's talking about. Sorry. It's a, it's a longer one. I got to open up a tab. Uh, oh, Brian, you didn't leave a question, man. I wouldn't have read this if it was just going to be a compliment, but thank you very much. <laughs> That's very kind of you. Uh, let's see. We have one. Oh, we do have one. Everybody raise your glass. We're going to pour one out uh, for Blood Axe 99 who left a false advertising one-star review of the show. After leaving multiple five-star reviews only to be ignored, I am now done with this show. Uh, YouTube questions that not all of us can make and one or two cherry-picked reviews make it on Power to the Pod. So disappointing to you, Kyle. I'm sorry to have disappointed you. Wish you would have left a question because I am now very clearly reading your review at this point in time. Let's go. Live questions. Let's start up top. Lewis with a question. What do you say to the he threw deep balls every game in college and why it's not happening at this level crowd in pertaining to, I'm assuming, to a tongue of Um, I certainly think the style of, of play is different as far as what this offense does. This offense, you know, Blood Axe called me false advertising. I'd say the Dolphins' offense is false advertising based on what we expected this offense was going to look like because they went out and they got a bunch of uh, wide receivers and, and field-stretching wide receivers. And, you know, they, they call up a couple of shot plays, but they, they really haven't made it a point of emphasis to try to dictate terms. I think this offense is too passive. This team in general is a little too passive in that way this year. They're not dictating the game. They are reacting to what the opposing team is is doing and trying to neutralize that. And, and I understand that that it's a schematics chess match. Um, but it, it's it was never going to be like what it was at Alabama. I mean, let's let's call it that as it is. If you were expecting you were going to get Alabama offense, I mean, they are five stars among five stars among five stars for a reason. And it their offensive system, and I think this goes back to the central theme and the issue at hand, which is coaching. Alabama's offense has survived and evolved across a number of different coordinator changes because there's a larger system in place thanks to Nick Saban. 
And Ryan, I did not pick the winner uh, for the ticket yet, so sit tight. We're going to get to that here in a couple minutes. Um, I would like to see Tua be more aggressive down the field. I think about the game against Buffalo. I was waiting for one spot throw against cover one or one high safety or anything, whether it was zero. Any situation where you could get up to the line and see, okay, if I go down the field outside the numbers, I'm going to have a chance to put a ball over the top. And that throw never came. And I don't, I can't really explain why that is. I don't know if that's not a point of emphasis or not. Um, but that's the part that like the teams that cheat down on you and dare you to do that. Like you have to prove, you have to force a little bit of fear in them that you can do that. And that is something from two. I hope we, we see, we, I think back to the slot fade he threw against uh, new England in week one, we need more throws like that. And I don't know why he's not taking them. I know to a certain degree, there's a lot more 12 personnel uh, and they're not taking so many of those shots. Ryan, love the podcast. How much trouble do you think Terod Taylor will give us? I'm honestly not confident in winning this game. Once I found out Terod was playing. Uh, yeah. He, Think 10 touchdowns to zero interceptions. I know some of that came with Buffalo and Buffalo's kicked their butt for a while now, but um, mobile quarterbacks have traditionally uh, given Miami a hard time. I, I think where Miami does have an advantage is they should have a talent advantage versus the Houston wide receivers. Uh, I'd be very surprised if um they're able to create a lot of space. I would like to see Miami in this game, Play some more zone so your eyes are not on receivers and away from the quarterback, but your eyes are, are are on the quarterback and you're looking down to the quarterback so you can see and identify when those opportunities are there, when he's going to run and get outside the pocket and react accordingly. Uh, so this might be a little bit more zone-heavy game than what it would have been if Davis Mills was playing. It's going to be – it's you know anybody who thinks the Dolphins are going to roll in and, and steamroll anybody, you know they, they got to earn that trust back. And they, that feels like it's a really long ways away. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I don't know how to say your name. Zwee. Zweezy gets wins. Why does our offensive coordinators think it's smart to constantly have receivers routes converge less than five yards apart from each other against Buffalo's? There was a bunch of instances. It's been there all year. Route spacing ha has been problematic and, uh, I don't know if this is the byproduct of another new system, you know, or, or tweaked system piggybacking off of the, the system last year that was very promotive of um, just get to your spot and however you get there um, is up to you. I remember hearing that about the chain Gailey system is there's not a lot of nuance here. It's just that at this timing, you need to be in this area and, if you, you had guys that got rerouted or guys that were slow getting out of the blocks, uh, you had a lot of that extra congestion. And I think you see some of that, but some of this play design is also um, a little suspect. Josh, that's very kind of you. Thank you. Next one comes from Ken Sean. Thins up. I wanted Tristan Wirfs, and I would have given up Igbenogany and this year's early pick, which was for Eichenberg. I wanted Penny Sewell and Rondale Moore. We could have easily gotten them. Um, yeah, you're not wrong. There's a lot of different things that a lot of people had called out, including Jonathan Taylor, 
uh, trading up or, or not taking Austin Jackson. And if you can't get up to get Tristan Wirfs, uh, maybe it's a matter of taking Cesar Ruiz, who they apparently liked and, and hoped to draft at 26 before the Saints grabbed him at 25. Um, or CeeDee Lamb, which would have been – I, I would have gone on the offense to go get CeeDee Lamb personally. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't think there's any question – there's been missteps. The question is how do we kind of work through all of what we do and don't know to figure out who is the blame. And if you can't figure out who is and who is not the blame, then ultimately I got to hold the blame to everybody. You know, on one side, I do think the talent that is here is better than their performance. But then I look at some of these picks that have been made most notably in 2020, you know, I was a pretty strong advocate for both the 2021 first round picks that they made. Um, and you you can't justify the decision to draft Igbenogany. I understand what the thought process was, and that's what I really try to do a lot of the times here is is to explain what the thought process is, and then as we get more information, we react to it. And the thought process was, well, Xavier's coming off a season which he only played in five games and was on IR and had the issues and had surgery and had the domestic violence incident, and so we want to have more insurance at corner despite the fact that we just signed Byron Jones. I get it. But she could have got a pro-ready a guy instead of a guy with two years. And if you want to be a draft and development team, that's fine. But now you actually have to draft and develop. And that development for some of these guys uh, has kind of um, flatlined might be the best way to put it. Uh, let's see. Our next question comes from Blake. What's the biggest need from next year's draft offseason off standpoint for the defense outside of a linebacker to be paired with Baker? Are we signing Emmanuel Lagba? Because that, for me, is going to um, be a big indicator on, on how urgent the outside pass rush need is. Uh, I, I think potentially another safety. Uh, to be ready for if there's a transition away from Eric Rowe, which you know they've seemingly been receptive to. I'd love to get a 220-pound thump guy as a safety, kind of serve as a sub-package linebacker who can also, when you play big nickel, and actually have a big nickel that can line up at linebacker and thud. Um, but when we did the roster assessment and, and we looked at you know where are the long-term building blocks of this roster, there's a decent amount of town on the defensive side of the ball with Wilkins and uh, Davis and Sealer and Agba, assuming he gets a contract extension and Baker and Holland and maybe Brandon Jones. And it's kind of hard to put Byron Jones and Xavier Howard in that bucket because their age getting close to 30 and the cost that's associated with those guys. But even without those two corners, which are probably your physically two most physically talented players and productive players on defense, you got a lot of talent on defense. Um, I agree wholeheartedly, though, that the number one need is another linebacker that, that can kind of uh, be a, a three-down presence. Let me see. Yeah, Zach, everybody, everybody's down on Phillips right now. Kyle, what are your thoughts on Jalen Phillips? Um, I think he's been fine. That would be the word I would use to describe Jalen Phillips is fine. Uh, I would love to not see him dropping in coverage 10 times a game like he did against Buffalo. 
Uh, I would love to see them get a little bit more aggressive. A lot of it, and what Dolphins fans have to remember is that this defensive system is not one that is just go get the quarterback. A lot of their rushes are schemed and designed rushes that require players to cross face of offensive linemen and occupy and twist and exchange gaps and rush lanes amongst multiple players. And there are going to be times where you are designed to be the occupying rusher. You're not going to be the one that's designed to uncover and come through gaps. And if you're going to use that first step explosiveness and size of Jalen Phillips, and that's not what's always happening. I'm seeing him get five yards of depth and he's slamming the brakes on himself because it looks like he doesn't want to overrun the pocket. When in reality, that's where he really overwhelmed people at times was at the top of the apex of his turn because he had a really rare level of size, explosiveness, and flexibility to turn that at a tight angle. He's not doing that, and I feel like part of that is because of the design and the ideology of his defense, which is to occupy, you know, stay in your rush lanes, don't get out of your gaps. You know, we, we heard Brian Flores, and it was more so about the run, but it does apo- uh, apply to the, the pass rush as well uh, after the Raiders game. You know, guys trying to do too much, and then they get out of their responsibility, and that's when plays break down. He's been fine. Has he been an absolute slam dunk? No. He physically looks the part. You could tell he's thinking a little bit too much. But go back and watch him at Miami and understand that they played a different mentality of defense when they rushed the passer. And if you were to put him in a four-man front right now and put him in a wide nine and say, hey, man, use that first step explosiveness and go. And we don't care if you get three yards behind the quarterback. Just come back to it when you get past it. I'd love to see what that looks like. Ultimately, it is the responsibility of the coaches to uh, find the best utilization of the players. And he's been really good against the run, too. Uh, I think that's been overlooked. He he has been very, very effective uh, against the run. Chris, Kyle, will we make the most out of what's left or will this team lose on Sunday and fold like a cheap suit? And we'll be looking for all new everything next year. I'm kind of at the point where like, I'm probably going to be advocating for changes regardless, like wide sweeping changes regardless. Uh, And it comes back to, I don't know how you fix the uh, perception of the Dolphins offense uh, with the hardship that they have had in hiring an offensive line coach and an offensive coordinator with this regime. And Chris Greer is the guy who chose to hire Brian Flores. And Chris Greer is the guy who made the picks at the end of the day. His name is on those, just like everything that happens on the field that's undisciplined. Brian Flores has to wear because he's the head coach. At the end of the day, missed picks. That is the assignment of Chris Greer. Ohio John, what's been going on with Andrew Van Ginkle this season? Have you pinpointed where he is struggling? I think they put to put him in too big of a role, to be honest. You know, Van Ginkle, he's, he's a 245 kind of guy. And uh, there's a lot of times where you'll see him up on the line of scrimmage as a hybrid linebacker, kind of playing the Van Noy role. And um, I just don't think he's really physical enough to shine there. Uh, and Josh, I think you got it nailed down. Josh Leggett says, I, I think Andrew Van Ginkle is a situational pass rusher. I think that's his best role is to use his speed 
uh, in obvious patching situations, but they got him out here on early downs, trying to set the edge against tight ends and work off double teams and um, drop into to flat zone coverages. And like, that's, that's just not really conducive to his first step quickness and agility is where he really shined. And uh, I, I think with the departure of, of Van Noy and, and some of the other players, they've tried to uh, use Van Ginkle and develop him into a larger role. And I think the role that they bid off for him is probably a little bigger than, than what it should be. Kyle, as a fellow Dolphins fan, do you bet on Dolphins games? Occasionally. Do I win? Rarely. Because I do bet with this and not with this uh, when it comes to the Dolphins. But the Dolphins, if you bet on the Dolphins against the spread for, I think, the first two years of the Brian Flores regime, uh, you probably made some good money uh, because they were constantly outperforming expectations after the first month of the 2019 season. That is, of course, until this year. So I would like to take this opportunity with all of you here. And there's a wonderful little showing on a Friday night at 9 p.m. So it's great to see you guys. Uh, to announce the winner of the Houston Texans ticket giveaway for Sunday afternoon. I am going to announce it here on the show. When the stream is over, I will hit up the winner on Twitter. If you guys are here, if, if the winner is here, uh, please make yourself known in the comments. We're going to work through his mock. And that's what we're going to finish today's Power to the Pod episode with. And I'm going to tell you guys why I liked all of these picks uh, that this individual had made. So with that in mind, the winning individual to watch Houston versus Miami on Sunday with yours truly is D. Wildemuth on Twitter. I've seen him come through on a number of different occasions, and um, I really liked what he did with his mock. And we are going to tackle it. The picks were Devin Lloyd. I told you we were coming back to Devin Lloyd. Devin Lloyd, linebacker, Utah at 13. Running back Kenneth Walker the third from Michigan State at 35. Defensive end David Ojabo. At uh, 99, offensive tackle Bernard Raymond from Central Michigan at 105, interior offensive lineman Alec Lindstrom uh, from Boston College at 123, Clemson wide receiver Justin Ross at 145, Indiana cornerback Taiwan Mullen at 179, Kentucky running back Chris Rodriguez Jr. at 194, TCU wide receiver J.D. Spielman at 233 and quarterback Taulia Tungovailoa, Maryland at 246. So I love the Devin Lloyd pick for Miami. If you're not familiar with Devin Lloyd, he's six foot three, six foot four, long, 240 pounds, and he's making splash plays all over the field for Utah. Utah, I think they play tonight, actually, at like Friday night, not Saturday when you guys are listening to this if you're on the podcast feed. But uh, tackles for loss, sacks, coverage, forced fumbles. He is 
all over the place. He is a dynamic three-down linebacker with size and mass. And that is the concern with Jerome, is if you ask Jerome to do too much and get up into the line of scrimmage and simultaneously try and stuff the run and simultaneously try and play out in space, and you ask him to do all of these things, inevitably, much like with Andrew Van Ginkle, you're going to be putting him in reps and situations where he's going to be going up against bigger bodies than what he probably ideally should be. And Devin Lloyd, I think, is he's explosive. He's a good tackler. And assuming that this regime is back, this is the kind of linebacker that you can pair and complement, and he could still be making plays in space. So if you're watching here on the YouTube stream, stay up. Watch Utah tonight against Stanford and watch Devin Lloyd on defense because he is a player and a half. Speaking of player and a half, Kenneth Walker III, running back Michigan State, he's in the running for the Heisman this year. He's having a phenomenal season. This is a uh, five-foot, 11, 210-pound uh, running back transfer from Wake Forest. Uh, Wake runs this really wonky RPO-type shotgun mesh point where they really ride out the mesh point for extended periods of time. It's an unorthodox rushing style. Uh, and he's gone to Michigan State and really taking advantage of opportunities to get downhill a little bit quicker, uh, use that power that he has. And for being 210, this guy can bounce around. He can bounce in and out of gaps. He's really good with contact balance. Um, just a really, really physically impressive player, physically dominant player. Uh, for Michigan State, and he and he is the centerpiece of a Michigan State offense that uh, has them. Uh, they just dropped thirty-seven, I think, on Michigan last week, and and they're eight zero, and they're right now in the college football playoff as of the first release. Staying in the state of Michigan for the next two picks, David Ajabo uh, at ninety-nine, uh, which was the third pick by our winner for the Houston Texans ticket giveaway, D. Wildemuth. Um, Ajabo is very, very toolsy, very traitsy, uh, explosive. Everybody sees Aiden Hutchinson on defense for the Wolverines, right? But he's going to be going the first five picks. Let's be honest. That's, that's a very easy selection for some team in the top five picks. But Ojabo, man, it, I, I saw a lot of you guys picked Boye Mafe from Minnesota. He was the guy who I saw most frequently when you were making that late third round pick and you were drafting a pass rusher. Um, Mafe was the very popular choice. And Ojabo is kind of the same way in that he's still raw, but really electric off the edge. And he's had some explosive plays. And he's been more productive this year than Mafe, too. Uh, Bernard, Bernhard Raymond, uh, the offensive tackle from Central Michigan at 105, developmental kid. Uh, he's from Austria. He's still very green, very new to the sport. So if you're going to go this route, you're obviously going to need uh, an offensive line coach that can develop talent. But this felt like really good value uh, for both him and Alec Lindstrom, who was uh, the center from uh, Boston College, uh, who was the next pick down uh, for D. Wildemuth. I'm, I got to learn your first name, man. Um, I guess we'll learn, we'll learn, a, learn it at the game on Sunday. Um, Lindstrom foiled against him is much more polished and pro ready. And I love the fact that this was the range to start, in my opinion, taking offensive linemen to complement what I, I would advocate for is spending free agent dollars on offensive linemen. You're going to make a player trade. You're going to trade Xavier Howard. If you're worried about his longevity, 
Uh, if you get a trade Devonte Parker and pick up an extra pick and then turn around and flip that for an offensive lineman, let's get creative here. Uh, let's understand the, I think the foundation is set and it's young and it's not totally settled yet. Um, but I, I, I like that this mock went after the problem points on both sides of the football, linebacker and running back to running game. Uh, and we know the offensive line is a problem, but you've drafted a bunch of young talent there. And I want to see what these guys look like. If you can go out and you can sign Ryan Jensen in free agency, the center from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or Tyrell Crosby to play right tackle in free agency, or if Taylor Decker becomes available via trade because the Lions want to keep Penny Sewell at, at right at left tackle. Like I want to see if you get two established plus veteran starters in the offensive line. I think these young guys are going to look a lot better. And that's what I loved about you're still getting new opportunities to potentially cover for misses that you've had. Um, but you're not investing the premium picks and you're allowing yourself to address your needs and draft really good football players. Like Devin Lloyd's top 20 player for me in this class and draft him at 13. I understand positional value that might question race some eyebrows or whatnot. Um, but I'm, I'm all in on, on what this, these first three picks were uh, Justin Ross, big body line, uh, wide receiver uh, separations, a, a bit of a sticking point, but I'm anticipating potential departure for Devontae Parker. I would advocate for a departure of Preston Williams. You're going to need some guys with some size and ball skills. Russ and Justin Ross is that. The corner, Taiwan Mullen from Indiana. He's a slot guy. We'll, we'll let Justin Coleman walk in the, the offseason. Let's make sure we bring back Nick Needham and get Taiwan Mullen to compete with him in that role. Chris Rodriguez Jr. is another power back, and this was, this was a really good one. Um, you watch Kentucky play and they punch people in the mouth when they run the football and, and they got Dari Rosenthal and they got, uh, Darren Kennard at their two offensive tackle spots. And they got this big strapping quarterback who can run the football this year that transferred in from Penn state. But Chris Rodriguez jr. Is a jackhammer. And he jumped off at me two years ago when they had a three headed rushing attack. And I said, this is Rodriguez kid might be the best one of the bunch. He's more dynamic than Benny Snell. Uh, but he runs with the same physicality that Snell ran with at Kentucky. And I understand that might not really jump out to, to casual college fans. We can say, well, Snell's been meh at the, at the pro level for Pittsburgh. But Benny at Kentucky was a very productive player. And, and I think Rodriguez is a better version of the same type of player. And Talia Tungavaloa, I don't know if I would actually do this, but I did like it as a lot, uh, a bit of a, um, nugget and just kind of a fun cherry on top uh let's see josh asking for bill callahan to pay him big money and get him from cleveland who so i don't i don't know what what the answer is at, at offensive line coach but i will say this i want to give that guy whoever you find your long-term established answer to be whether it's a bill callahan type or it's a mike munchak type Hire him, make him the assistant head coach, because that way there's no opportunity for somebody to, to repluck him and put a new thing on top of it unless they're going to hire him to be the head coach of the football team. I mean, that, that's the life hack that I want to implement there. Uh, so last call, uh, I'll make sure I say something on Twitter too, but D. Wildemuth is the winner of the Houston Texans ticket giveaway, and uh, it's 
I, I was really overwhelmed by how many mock drafts I got. I got them on Instagram. I got them in emails. I got them on Twitter on my personal account. I got them on the Locked On Dolphins account. I got them everywhere. So you guys were so awesome, and I really appreciate it, and I love seeing them. And we're obviously going to have a lot of time to, to talk mocks. I don't want to dive too much of the in-season programming into it. And um, I know we made light of, of the one-star review that I was left a little earlier, but I do sincerely appreciate everybody who does engage in this show. Um, I understand, you know, if you want a question read and you don't get it read, and that can be frustrating too. Um, but we do have so much to talk about and so much programming that we, uh, that we try to push out on a weekly basis to make sure you guys have enough uh, to kind of get you through the week in a really trying season. And that's not always easy to get back to everybody. I know I certainly didn't respond to everybody who DM'd me or, or on Instagram or Twitter or, or emailed me uh, your mock drafts, but I want you to know I see them and I'm very thankful for each and every one of you. And I hope you guys enjoyed yet another week of Locked on Dolphins. If you guys are going to be at the game on Sunday, let me know because I'm planning on swinging by bright and early. We'll hit a couple tailgates along the way. We'll have a good time. Last time I was down here for Indianapolis, we had a couple really good tailgates as well. Uh, but that's going to do it for us here on this evening edition of Locked on Dolphins on Friday night, live on the YouTube channel. Make sure you hit subscribe, like the video. And if you are listening on the podcast feed, keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. Thanks as always for watching. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.